0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
1: And thank you for joining us here on Agriculture of America, AOA Today, brought to you by our friends at Cenex. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and another busy show lined up for you here on today's program we're going to have a conversation to the end of the show with dr brett terhar with elanco animal health we're going to be talking about uh, keeping our cattle healthy and how to maximize uh, our calves here this fall with record high prices and more we're going to be talking to him coming up later on in segment four it's segment three today we'll have a conversation with andy campbell from tractor zoom andy is the director of insights with tractor zoom we're going to be talking about uh, some different things, including um, what he's seeing for the farm equipment data that is out there right now, sales, auctions, et cetera. We're going to talk to Andy coming up in segment three. It's segment two today. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley will be with us to give us an update of what is happening on Capitol Hill. No doubt we'll ask him about the uh, turmoil in the House of Representatives and more. So Looking forward to that discussion coming up here in just a little bit. Today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Well, joining us now to kick off the program, we want to discuss the low water levels on the Mississippi River and how that is impacting exports and more. Joining us now, the Executive Director for the Soy Transportation Coalition, Mike Steenhook, is with us. Mike, great to have you back on AOA. Hope you're doing well.
2: I'm doing fine, Jesse. Good to be with you.
1: So let's get a, uh, let's dive right into this and get an update. I know we have record low levels uh, at Memphis on the Mississippi River, and uh, we're seeing a lot of challenges again here this uh, export season with the uh, movement down the river and really, frankly, upriver too for anything. Uh, What's the latest you are hearing as uh, we see the concerns continue to deepen here on the Mississippi River, Mike?
2: Yeah, we continue to... Watch a movie seg- sequel that none of us want to watch. You know, we had low water conditions last year, historically low, and we're actually uh, in many spots along the Mississippi River, we're actually lower uh, right now than we were at the same period last year. Memphis, uh, significantly low, uh, getting precariously low. Um, we, the rainfalls in the, the Midwest this past week uh, have elevated water levels a bit at St. Louis. Um, but we're still very low there, and it, and it continues to have an impact on barge transportation. You're seeing uh, barges having to load lighter because they're concerned about uh, having scraping the bottom and actually experiencing a grounding. Um, there's a concern about a, an inability of of being able to be as wide as you normally are, so you're limiting the number of barges you're attaching together to form one single flotilla uh, that will go down to the lower Mississippi River, so you have those two constraints on barge transportation, lack of channel depth, lack of channel width. It does change the economics of barge transportation, and it's at a very inopportune time, which is our harvest season and also our key export window when we're the main supplier to the world marketplace. So really, uh, really unfortunate, and um, obviously merits our attention and and our concern.
1: Well, and you mentioned it affects the economics of barge transportation. I would have to imagine, too, this is affecting uh, consumers' pocketbooks, farmers' pocketbooks. Where is most of this burden going to fall, Mike?
2: Yeah, you know, so that's always the big question. When you've got a transportation cost increase, the question is, who absorbs that? Is that passed on to the customer in the form of a higher price? Is it absorbed by just the actual shipper themselves? or is that passed on to the supplier? And in this case, it's the farmer. And what we continue to see is these costs are disproportionately passed on to the farmer in the form of a a lower price at that point of sale or a more negative basis. And so, you you know, we're seeing things like, you know, I was talking to a farmer from Eastern Iowa and normally basis uh, at the Mississippi River is about minus 25 cents. And now they're experiencing a, a minus 50 cents. And so a pretty significant, you know, change. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of these farmers lock in a price, you know, months ago, but that's for those farmers who are selling into that spot market. All of a sudden, the price that they are offered is lower, not because of anything that they did wrong or not because there's less demand for what they grow, but just simply because the the supply chain is not operating as efficiently as it normally does. So those, those costs are passed on to the farmer. So you've got this big macro issue, the Mississippi River and its water levels that have a really specific local impact on a farmer's wallet.
1: So I would have to think here, uh, having some backup plans in place, what's our best option? Do we try to move uh, move this by rail, move our commodities by rail down to the Gulf or the PNW? Do we use truck? Do we try to utilize... like? Uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway, for instance. I know we have other options. What, what's our best option at this point, Mike?
2: Yeah, in, in some areas of the country, we have a, a, a greater array of options B, C, and D than, than others. And But yes, what we saw last year and what we're continuing to see this year is farmers you know, deciding to, uh, say, drive their soybeans uh, further than what they normally would like to do. Uh, but in order to deliver to a, a processing facility or to a rail loading facility that might have access into the Mexican market. A lot of, a lot of our soybeans get transported by rail across the border into Mexico or to the Pacific Northwest, uh, Great Lakes. Uh, there's a, or a lot of farmers will say, hey, I've got some storage available. I, I usually like to deliver immediately to the river. Um, but I'm going to put some of these beans into storage and wait for river levels to get recharged. And a number of farmers did that last year. I think it's important to keep in mind though, when, you, when you're when you having to go from your option A to option B, there's a reason why something is an option A and something is an option B. And when you usually have to migrate from option A to option B, that usually involves a, additional cost and an additional inconvenience. And so it's just one of those things when you, have something really important like the mississippi river that's not operating as it normally does there is an economic consequence to that
1: well mike uh, great thoughts before we let you go anything final you would say to folks uh, farmers ranchers uh, listening in as they uh, look at this situation on the mississippi river obviously it's not something that's going to improve quickly Uh, so anything else you would say to folks or reiterate here today
2: yeah you know it's something that you know with with as dehydrated as our soils are, any kind of precipitation that does occur will largely be absorbed by the ground, which is good for the ground, but that does means that there's not going to be a lot of additional water available for our streams and rivers to help support navigation. so that that is does, certainly is a concern. Um, but you know, we do still have the most diverse resilient supply chain for agriculture in the world marketplace. So even with all these challenges, We still will export. We'll still export via the river, but clearly there are some challenges this year.
1: Well, we do appreciate the time and the insights. And I know folks, if they want to stay up to date with various uh, transportation issues and more, they could do that online, soytransportation.org. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director for the Soy Transportation Coalition. Thanks so much for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, Jeffy
1: all right coming up here next on AOA brought to you by Cenex premium diesel a more complete additive package for a more complete burn we're going to turn our attention to Washington DC we'll have a conversation with Iowa Senator Republican Chuck Grassley that's coming up next here on AOA agriculture of America
3: So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher-yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. People look at your farm; they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trade protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. Smart Stacks Pro with RNAI technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions. IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved.
0: Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen.
1: And welcome back to AOA here today. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. And of course, uh, your nearest Cenex location is right around the corner. You could find that nearest location. Cenex.com is a great place to start and uh, learn more about all the uh, fantastic Cenex products that are available to you. All right, here on AOA right now, joining us, pleased to have him back with us for a conversation. Iowa Senator Republican Chuck Grassley is with us here today on the program. Senator Grassley, it is always great to talk with you, sir. I hope things are going well.
6: They're going well, except what's going on in the House of Representatives here in Washington, D.C., and what's going on over in Israel and um, Gaza and uh, with the Hamas. Yes. Other than that, I think we've got pretty good situation.
1: Yeah, I know. Those are two uh, key things I wanted to talk to you about here today. Uh, first off, with the House of Representatives, uh, what's the latest you're hearing with this entire fight to figure out a, a speaker, and I know it's uh, it's putting a lot of uh, paralysis on, on many things getting done uh, in, in D.C. What What's your take on, on this whole situation, Senator Grassley?
6: Well, it doesn't deal with who's going to be the next speaker. It deals with the fact that this all started two or three weeks ago when eight uh, Republicans, uh, the same people that were complaining because the House of Representatives wasn't passing appropriation bills. Uh, fast enough. Uh, They uh, got McCarthy out of office. And uh, now uh, when we didn't shut down the government, we extended uh, government operating through November 17th. That was 16, uh, or no, six weeks to get uh, all the appropriation bills passed. Now they frittered away uh, two weeks and uh, actually two and a half weeks of that six weeks so i hope they get a speaker chosen and the latest to answer your question would be simply that uh, i've heard a count that he's about 20 votes short of the 217 he needs to get selected and uh and that could mean that he'll never get to 217 they'll go back to square one and try to pick somebody else out or it could be that they'd have a second ballot and some people will have second thoughts about uh the need uh, in time of war and in time of getting uh keeping government up and running and funding it through appropriation bills that this has gone on long enough and common sense may prevail and on a second ballot he he may get the 217 votes but let's just say if he doesn't uh he for the good of the country uh they'll go to somebody else and well that's somebody else uh get the votes, Uh, I don't know, but we can't waste any more time uh, with the war situation in Ukraine and uh, Israel uh, and the possible threats from Iran or the possible threats of even uh, when you have 151 people on the terrorist watch list wade across the Rio Grande come to this country. What are they thinking about doing here in the United States? remember, you, you never get on an airplane to fly into the United States if you're on the terrorist watch list, mm-hmm. but you can wade through the Rio Grande and get here. That's a threat to our na- own national security. So there's, uh, there's reason enough to, uh, to call a halt to the House of Representatives not doing any business.
1: I know as well with the, uh, the the just tragic events we're seeing in Israel right now with Hamas. I, I've heard there is broad support for, uh, of course, Israel, but even aid uh, to Israel in the form money or, or whatever the case may be. There, it, it, would you say that is correct that there is broad support on Capitol Hill to to help the uh, the Israelis?
6: Yeah, probably by giving them war material they need. Uh, shells and for what they call their iron dome to protect them from incoming uh, missiles and all that sort of thing. Uh, And the money we appropriate will be uh, spent probably uh, uh, employ American workers replenishing our uh, war material.
1: Senator Grassley, uh, a few agriculture related topics as well, obviously with the appropriations process, uh, you know, having to kind of wait here a little bit. And a farm bill obviously is wrapped up in that. I know you've said before, probably, you know, a one-year extension here of the farm bill. Uh, Any other updates in regards to a farm bill? It seems like uh, at this point uh, a one-year extension and hopefully not longer, uh, but a one-year extension is probably going to have to be what happens here uh, in the short term.
6: Yeah, and let's speak to the bad aspects of that. It gives less certainty than a five-year farm bill does. Uh, you, if you get a one-year extension, you don't usually get a chance to make the changes that we want to make in the 2018 farm bill, like, for instance, uh, recognizing the increased cost of uh, uh, fertilizer, seed, and chemicals, and jacking up the uh, the preference uh, reference prices. Uh, preference prices there in the uh, uh, in the farm bill and things of that nature, or me wanting to make some changes to CRP or putting a uh, limitation on how much money one family farmer can get out of the farm program, to target the farm programs to medium and small sized farmers, things of that nature won't get done, and it's a sad commentary. But I think you've answered your own question by speculating. Because that's the way I would speculate—a one-year extension, or at most a two-year extension of the existing Farm Bill.
1: Senator Grassley, I know as well. You joined with uh, Senator Ernst and uh, Senator Marshall from Kansas to reintroduce the Eats Act. Can you talk a little bit about uh, joining with uh, Senators Ernst and Marshall on on that legislation, and and tell us a little bit more about that legislation? Sure.
6: Why Ernst and Grassley? Because Iowa is the number one pork producing in the nation, and California has passed uh, by referendum a law that says if you don't have 24 square feet uh, farrowing crates, you can't market your uh, uh, pork in California, and California is about 13% of the market for pork producers, and, uh, and uh, you can't have people that don't know anything about agriculture. Uh, telling Iowa farmers who obviously have to treat their animals right or they're not going to make any money uh, and and uh, things of that nature. So the EATS Act would uh, uh, be under the power of Congress, one of the 18 powers of Congress in the Constitution to regulate interstate and foreign commerce. The EATS Act would preempt the referendum in California so people would be able to... Uh, to uh, uh Iowa farmers, uh, number one pork producing state would be able to market uh in California and it help the California consumers too because it's going to drive up the price of their bacon if they can't uh, uh get uh, the relatively uh cheaper markets uh from uh, Iowa pork producers. Uh so then uh this act ought to be brought up separately, but it'll never be brought up separately by uh, Schumer running in the United States Senate. So we were hoping to get that in a five-year farm bill. So one of the bad things about a one-year extension is we probably won't be able to overcome the damage that uh, California uh, people are doing by not uh, having Iowa pork go in there because Iowans don't. Uh, pork producers don't have 24 uh, square feet uh, and farrowing grapes.
1: Well, and Senator Grassley, uh, there are opponents of the EATS Act who claim that it's a you know, it's a violation of states rights. And that's their big argument against the EATS Act. But to your points, uh, trying to keep things like Iowa raised pork on, on folks, uh, you know, keep bacon on the breakfast table is Definitely important for agriculture, isn't it?
6: Uh, It it ought to be seen that way. And uh, they're right. If you're a state's rice person, you could say that. But what would uh, the people in California, the farmers in California say if Iowa passed a law saying that you can't market your uh, uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts in in, uh, Iowa? It's a slippery slope. Uh, and uh, and that's why Congress has the power to regulate interstate and foreign commerce. This was something the constitutional writers were taking into consideration because things in Virginia uh, as a colony probably couldn't be shipped to somebody uh, in Maryland, and they knew that that wasn't bad for uh, the the economy of the entire country.
1: Well, Senator Grassley, we always appreciate your time joining us here on Agriculture of America. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of your day, sir, and we will look forward to talking to you again real soon.
6: Thank you very much. Goodbye.
1: All right. Once again, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joining us here on AOA Today, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart, all right, up next here on the program, we're gonna have a conversation with Andy Campbell from Tractor Zoom. That comes your way right after this here on AOA.
3: Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top performing seed, innovative digital tools and expanded agronomic support you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage your enhanced channel seed brand let's rise to the challenge learn more at channel.com rise read and follow pesticide label directions irm grain marketing and other stewardship practices
1: join us every tuesday for around the table brought to you by chs where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative, and we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
7: You're listening to Away for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Well, China bought another 18 cargoes of soybeans last week, which was the fifth consecutive week for purchases to lag the typical 20 to 30 cargoes per week. Buyers focused a bit more on U.S. purchases over the past week as a strengthening of Brazil's currency combined with inverses in the price structure to make Brazilian supplies less competitive. Buyers hope that a favorable start to Brazil's growing season will reduce the inverse in the price structure to make Brazilian beans more competitive once again, which would lead them to increase purchases for December and January shipment. They've currently bought an estimated 6.15 million metric tons for November shipment with 44% of the purchases originating in Brazil. However, China has very little on the books so far for shipment in December and January amid expectations that it needs to buy between 9 and 10 million metric tons for those months. Now, the next week looks dry for center-west Brazil, although planting so far has been just modestly below the five-year average. More rains are currently expected to aid crops by the middle of next week. And there were up to 90 ships in the Ukrainian port of Ismail on the Danube River yesterday, according to market sources, nearly tripling over the past week, with another dozen vessels at another port as shippers become increasingly comfortable with using the Ukrainian corridor to move in and out of its ports. Another 14 ships are believed to be in or around port facilities at Odessa. The first big Panamax is believed to be arriving to load in Ukraine in November, although authorities remain tight-lipped about schedules for security reasons. Shippers are becoming more increasingly comfortable traveling to and from Ukrainian ports. And for its part, Russia continues to attack the port facilities while not specifically targeting ships. Authorities report that the attacks have already reduced port capacity by roughly 40 percent, with the attacks continuing. The VIX is trading near 18 this morning, while the dollar index is rallying on this morning's data release. And crude oil prices are hovering right around unchanged. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet.
0: informing america's farmers and ranchers aoa now back to jesse allen
1: and hey, thanks for sticking with us here on aoa today powered by cenex maxtron synthetic diesel engine oil everyday products powered locally at your favorite Senex location just around the quarter from you find that nearest location online at cenex.com again that is cenex.com all right now on the program let's turn our attention to the ag equipment market how are things going there what are the trends what are we seeing in auctions and more joining us now for a conversation he is the director of insights with tractor zoom andy campbell is back with us here on the show Andy, always good to talk with you, my friend. How are
8: you? Yeah, uh, We're doing fantastic. We've got the beans out, which were a little depressing, but we moved to the corn, and we're going to end on a high note, I think.
1: Well, I was going to say, how, how are things looking there uh, on the farm in Iowa? You mentioned beans, maybe a, a little uh, little disappointing. Uh, so I have to think a lot of variability uh, this year, Andy. Yeah,
8: yeah, I mean – it follows the rain patterns. And so with the spotty showers, I think that the whole state had, it, it matters uh, about, you know, what rain you got and when you got it. And so for the beans, our County kind of missed it in August. Uh, and so that reflected in the, in the yield, but you know, fortunately in July, we got the timing of the rains just right, even though we had a, a dry June. And so, yeah, yields are up uh, considerably. They will offset some of the, the disappointing yields in beans, but yeah, it's all about the timing.
1: Half done, a little over halfway, almost to the finish line. What do you think, Andy?
8: Uh, Oh, we're a little over halfway done. And honestly, you know, at this time, I don't see any snow in sight. And so we're not in a huge rush to get it all out. Uh, You know, don't necessarily spend money to dry any of it, although it is fairly dry right now. So, yeah, we're not in a rush. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're well suited. And we took the time and uh, kind of the preseason to just make sure the equipment was ready to go. So fingers crossed everything is still running and and we haven't had any major breakdowns yet
1: that's a good thing and don't say that s word that snow word too loudly next thing you know we'll see it in the forecast (laughs) all right andy let's uh let's turn our attention over to what's going on in the equipment market i know tractor zoom you guys list and track all sorts of equipment and data Uh, what are some of the interesting findings you've noticed in the uh, farm equipment data here lately
8: Yeah, yeah. And kind of keeping with the same theme of timing, that uh, it's all about timing. And so, you know, at Traction, we have just so much data on, you know, of course, your combines, your tractors, but we also have more of the nuanced pieces. And so for a a dealer recently, I did a study on skid steers uh, and dove into it just because last year, for especially the the smaller independent dealers, the supply was so tight on these things, uh, that I started paying attention to it now in this June, past year, Uh, supply was up 300%. And so it just shot up, you know, 300% over a small number still, you know, not huge, but there's enough supply in the market now uh, to start to fulfill that demand. But I dove in a little bit more and started comparing the wheels versus tracks on those. And what I'm seeing is just so many more tracks than what I was used to when I was growing up. And, you know, we went from early 2000s, you wouldn't see hardly any tracks, to now with the later models, uh, it's about 80%. Of what we're seeing in the auction and the dealer market have tracks uh, on them, and with that though comes a premium. And so when you're looking at values, you know if you're looking at the wheeled skid steers, your auction's about 40, your dealer average is about 60 for a 2022. Uh, If you're looking at tracks though, that bumps up about $20,000. So with a 2022 track loader, it's about $60,000 or $80,000 at a dealership. So you're paying a premium, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're more popular, so you'd expect that.
1: Very so, interesting yeah. stuff there. I never would have thought about wheels versus tracks as being something to pay attention to. What about planters and uh, planter accessories and things like that? Is, is that something else you're keeping an eye on right now?
8: It is. And I think most dealers across the country are trying to figure this one out now, too. It's just with the, the Pox, the upgrade kit, uh, it is so hard to value these guys. And so we have a data scientist on our TractorZoom staff, and he and I dove into this this past year and try to figure out with statistical certainty, like how much each piece is worth. And you know, there's some variability still out there and some question marks, but what we could find out, you know, that central bulk fill, that's a big premium. Uh, and that's almost a necessary the liquid fertilizer is a, kind of a question mark yet. Um, but the other one was electric drive. So the electric drive kind of necessary for any type of precision you're going to add on there. And we saw a dramatic price difference there. But a big takeaway from a farmer, and then this is what I've talked to uh, some of my friends about too that are farming, is that if you're looking for a buy on planters and you want to do it in precision, you can find those at auction, but they're hard to find. And uh, and we went out and studied the dealer listing price of things with electric drives and precision capabilities versus those at auction. And the ones that at auction come at a big discount from the, the dealer listings if it's precision. It's just because it's so hard to find a buyer who appreciates the same, you know, nuances and technology that a seller has that that's where you kind of can get your biggest deals. They're just really hard to find. So you have to kind of save your searches and, and be like a hawk looking for those things.
1: Definitely. Definitely. We are talking with Andy Campbell, director of insights with tractor zoom and, you know, Andy, uh, you know, kind of saving your searches and, and being like a hawk here, I have to think some of that's going to be, pretty key as we near the end of the year uh we're, we're coming up here uh just hard to believe we're almost to the end of 2023 so what are yeah. you expecting here as we get to year end i know we typically see uh different activity and more activity when it comes to equipment purchases and more so what are some of the things you're expecting here as we near the end of the year
8: Yeah, so one of the big changes I think we're seeing this year, and it's probably because of the drier weather leading into this, we're seeing a little bit more auction activity that's happening here already in October than what we have seen. I think some people are wrapping up with some field work early and just being a little more active out in the market. And like I mentioned earlier, though, it is about timing, and then you get into the supply and demand side. So really, if we look at it from a, you know, the row crop tractors first, that those were super tight supply last year, and we started to see that supply return pretty rapidly this summer. Started to fill demand. They're on dealer's lots now, but with those, it matters what model you're looking at. And so, in particular, I pay attention a lot to the 8Rs here in the upper Midwest, the Magnum 340s, and those are in probably the most amount of supply, and so we're starting to see some price, some slight price decreases, maybe 2 to 5% in this past year on those, um, but the auction prices are still at a premium. Now, we'll see what December ends up with. But if you're looking to upgrade your tractor, I think this December could be a really good time. If you were willing to go into those, you know, the 8R models, the Magnum 340s, I think you could get some good buys there on the row crop tractor side.
1: What about compact tractors? Are we seeing any trends there that we want to keep an eye on towards the end of the year?
8: Yeah, yeah. So, If you're looking for a compact tracker and talking about timing, now is the time. And I love studying these guys because there are so many out there. It's kind of an interesting situation that happened with COVID and a lot of, you know, smaller players pumped a lot of these into the market. So your hinders, your coyotes, uh, there's just so many in the market now. And supply was up pretty much all of 2022. And it wasn't until maybe about this past summer when that high supply started to break on the prices side. And so... That supply is still up 40% year over year, but now it's stressing the system enough that we're actually starting to see you know, auction averages. Right now in October, I just looked at the last 15 days. Uh, they're off almost 30% from their previous highs. And so that's an example of a market where if you have so much supply out there for so long, you know, the buyers will continue to buy at a high price because they don't realize that the market has momentum, but after a while it gives. And the compact tracker market is giving right now. And like I said, about 30%, at least off of some previous highs. So if you need a hobby tractor, uh, pick up a hobby now this year, because there's some opportunity there.
1: Andy, you and I have talked about combines uh, the last couple of times we've had a conversation. So let's, uh, let's touch on it and get an update. How's that combine market looking here near the end of the year?
8: It is, it's scary, uh, you know, and it's, I shouldn't say it's terrifying for dealers because they've really worked hard this summer to manage it well, but that's a lot of money for them to carry in their inventory. And so this summer, you know, especially the class sevens and eights, nines to some extent, uh, they worked hard to really get those off the lots and move them and get them out in the marketplace. And so they've done, done that. The supply's down. Uh, the price had to drop a bit, almost 10% year over year for some of the class eights. You know seven's not quite as much, nine's not quite as much, uh, but I think you're going to continue to see, you know, incentives to move those off the lots here before January 1st uh, for those sevens, eights, and nines. So again, I, I think the market is really kind of saturated. But if you're one of the remaining farmers that wants to upgrade your combine in one of those categories, there's an opportunity for you this year, especially with the bonus depreciation. I know it's only 80% this year. Uh, as far as taxes go, but it's only going to be 60% next year. And I think that will incentivize some people to move if they need it for their operation. Uh, probably no sense in spending that kind of cash if you don't need it. But I think combines are an interesting you know, beast because it's those seven, eights, and 9s that have an opportunity. But if you're a smaller operation and the 6s and 5s work well for you and you have a good one, man, hold on to that sucker because I've watched those supplies. They're steady, they're low, and there's not a lot being pumped into the market. So I think those are going to be, you know, smaller gems to hold on to because it's going to be hard to replace them once they're gone.
1: Very, very true. Well, and I know if folks are looking for uh, various equipment, uh, Andy, uh, give you guys a plug there, the tractorzoom.com website. I know you guys have a ton of tools and resources available that are very easy to use for folks there uh, online, don't you?
8: Yes, absolutely. we try to make it as user friendly as possible, really slick, kind of like an iPhone, just pick it up and you can figure it out. But I think the big key here and that we use this for our operation is timing. It's you know there's you know you want to find that right kind of planter or that right piece of equipment for you. and so you save a search, and you just get an automatic alert to your phone when something pops up, whether it's auction or dealer, and you know yeah, I think it's going to be about timing here going forward. It's we're not going to oversupply the market a ton like we did you know, back in twelve, thirteen.
1: Well, again, find more details at tractorzoom.com. We've been talking with the director of insights for Tractor Zoom, Andy Campbell. Andy, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us on AOA. We appreciate it.
8: Thank you, Jeffy. You have a great
1: day too. All right, coming up next, we'll talk with Dr. Brett Terhar, beef technical consultant with Elanco Animal Health here on AOA brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Back with more
10: after this. bite by bite.
1: This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today we're talking with Chris Ludwig, who leads corn trading and risk management for CHS, about grain supply
12: and demand. Chris, how is this year's harvest shaping up? You know, of course, there's some mixed results, but overall on this early harvest, there's been, you know, some optimism and some better than expected yields. And of course, there's areas that were very dry that don't, but everything right now is coming off as expected.
1: Chris, what marketing strategies should farmers consider during and after harvest?
12: I think farmers need to look at a couple things one is interest rates are are really high so whether you have an operating loan or you can just go into your local bank and buy a cd that's yielding over five percent that's been the biggest change here coming in into this year so i think you got to really think about what kind of interest you're foregoing by hanging on to commodities right now on soybeans it could be eight cents a month on corn it could be five so as you're making those decisions on whether to sell or hold these interests has got to be a part of that equation. And then I think you got to look at, you know, what percent sold are you? Our numbers would say farmers are somewhere between 20, 25% sold here going into harvest. I think, or we think that, you know, you should be closer to 40. So if you're not you know, in that 40 range, you know, now would be a good time to get some grain sold and catch up a little bit.
1: Well, we've been talking with Chris Ludwig, who leads corn trading and risk management for CHS about grain supply and demand. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today.
12: Thanks for having me.
1: And thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. Any information or opinions presented are for informational purposes only and do not constitute trading, legal, or other professional advice. CHS makes no warranties about any information or opinions provided and shall not be liable for the use thereof or any errors or omissions therein. In today's troubled
13: world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran call 800-209-6416. For 24-hour response, call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416.
0: Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen.
1: And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cinex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. And joining us now here on the program with a decrease in cow numbers and and strong beef demand, beef cattle prices have been hitting record-breaking highs. And you know, while it may seem simple to put less dollars toward preconditioning calves, now is not the time to cut corners. Good animal husbandry, management practices, and health protocols are definitely critical for producers to maximize both their profits and animal health. And joining us today to discuss this, Dr. Brett Terahar, beef technical consultant with Elanco Animal Health, here to share more about how beef producers stay one step ahead with their calves this fall. Dr. Terhar, first off, thanks for joining us on the program today. Hope you're doing well.
11: I am. Nice to be here with you. Thanks for the invite.
1: Well, just for starters, uh, folks, uh, can you give us a little background on your role with the Lanco Animal Health, just to start?
11: So, uh, officially, I'm called a technical consultant. So, we have veterinarians and nutritionists that are technical consultants at Lanco. We support uh, the the sales uh, people in the field, um, handle any uh, questions, complaints from end users or producers or veterinarians um and uh, so uh, uh, wear a lot of hats help out with marketing people and um just uh, try to be a resource to a lot of different people but especially especially in the field yeah people that are using the the products
1: fantastic fantastic well uh, obviously uh, you're an expert uh, when it comes to what's going on uh, with uh, cattle and and making sure we we keep our cattle healthy and I just think you know Been watching the current market conditions here as of late, Uh, Dr. Ter Har, just uh, amazing numbers, Uh, very strong markets uh, out across uh, feedlot country and in the sale barns. And I know that's putting a lot of extra emphasis uh, for producers on just good uh, animal
11: husbandry practices, management practices, et cetera, isn't it? You know we we live for the top of these these cycles, right? And uh, I remember that we all remember the last one, and and they're pretty regular, nine or ten years, and so here we are again. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of dollars being spent uh, and received when you sell sell your calves. I was I was just looking at some market reports from uh, my locale this morning, and. Um, And it it's, it's impressive. You know, there's, there's five weight cattle bringing five to six weights, bringing $3. So that's a lot of money, um, being spent on calves right now.
1: Well, and I would have to think, uh, well, I guess I, I should ask, wouldn't it be easier? You know, we're entering a a critical fall time period. Wouldn't it just be easier to sell off my calves right away? Can you talk about that a little bit?
11: Yeah, ironically, there's there's these two things that happen uh, whether you're at the top of the cycle or you are at the bottom. Is the idea is like, wow, these these prices are so good right now. I don't want to even wean the calves at home or have any risk of problems. I would just as soon, you know, take them to town and and get the check. Which, yep, that that makes sense in some ways. Um, you know, the, the opposite is. Wow, we're, we're, we're at the bottom of the cycle and things are so bad I don't even want to spend one more dime on these on these calves because the prices are low. Um, so you get these two extremes or you know in these two extremes you get that that tendency but you know we, we know that when we if someone weans their calves um, and back, say you background them for a, a period of time, it always, pays dividends um, in weight gain. And so that's that's a great opportunity that may be missed by some people. Now not everybody's set up to do that. I understand that, but where we have we have some feed, we have the, some of the facilities, um, a great opportunity to make some cheap gains over a 45 to 50 day period even. Well, obviously,
1: now's not a time to cut corners. And there's a lot of things that producers need to keep in mind. What are some things that producers should be considering right now to ensure that they get their they're getting the most out of their calves here this fall?
11: So like I said, I looked at some market reports and you know, in the in the margins, it says weaned or not weaned or preconditioned or not preconditioned, And um I, I you know, to be honest, it wasn't 100% of the, you know, when I was looking at the different weight classes, and eh, maybe there wasn't always a gap in the price between the weaned and the, and the unweaned, but 80% of them were, and, and, the, and the price difference was, was handsome, right? And so what a, what a, why is that price increase there? Well, people in my part of the country that are, are buying calves to feed, they uh, we're always short of labor, right? We're busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harvest is going on right now, so if, if we can, if someone can buy calves that aren't going to be a problem, they're willing to pay a premium. And and so, what kind of calves aren't a problem? Well, it'd be calves that have been weaned, so they've uh, they're they're not bawling calves. They've uh, they've been trained to, and if they've been weaned, they they know how to find a bunk and mm-hmm. eat some feed. Uh, they know how to find a water, right? Because let's let's face it, some of these calves have spent most of their lives out drinking off of a pond or a creek, and so being able to find those basic things are important. Then just the the fact that if we if we can get these calves vaccinated with at least the basics, then we've we've got uh, some insurance against some health problems, and health problems are are real. Well, and I have to think, yeah, going into the winter
1: months, especially, and then into the spring, there are plenty of health risks out there that do exist. So making sure that we, we keep our herd healthy with some of those good management practices you alluded to is, is so key, isn't it, Dr.
11: Terhar Yeah. You know, it even even vaccines uh, you know they're help they're a helpful tool right okay. it's not it's not just that it's it's the other animal husbandry things it's, it's how we take care of the chaos but there's certainly a lot of people are under the false impression that if we give a vaccine we get immediate protection but that's just not the case and so anything that's done ahead of time is helpful to the next buyer We've been talking
1: with Dr. Brett Terhar, Beef Technical Consultant with Elanco Animal Health. Dr. Terhar, thanks so much for joining us here today. We appreciate it.
11: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: And we are out of time here today on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL Everyday Products, powered locally by Cenex. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here on AOA.
3: When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan. And it deserves trade protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. Smart Stacks Pro with RNAI technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved.
1: Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss.
9: What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.